What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. It's been a hot minute. We are in the middle, basically, of all the first round playoff matchups, and we are finally getting to discuss them. It's been uh, an interesting start across uh, both both conferences. We've already seen one sweep. We're likely to see another one out west uh, tonight, but for the most part, there's been a lot of uh, interesting matchups, a lot of surprise wins, a lot of injuries early in the playoffs. But uh, Chris, what have you thought about things so far? Well, first of all, I, I got to apologize because we definitely would have recorded last week, but just like Red Bulls, I've been on vacation. <laughs> and, <clears throat> excuse me, and just like uh, the Cavs did last night, my charger imploded from my computer. So we're sitting here on Zoom on my iPad. So apologies for any uh, any audio difficulties. But I got to say, this past week has just been tremendous fun. It's been awesome to see what the Kings have done against the Warriors. It's been awesome to see the trenches that we've seen in New York and Cavs, what Kawhi has done, what Russ has done, and just the amount of competition that's gone on. Um, unfortunately, I think one thing I do got to say, it sucks. The injuries sucks. Mm-hmm. The injuries have already piled on early on in this first round. And that's honestly probably going to be the biggest determinant. But besides that, I mean, you can't ask for a better play-in uh, and a better first round so far. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, especially the series, obviously injuries have had a big impact, but the number of series where we didn't really expect uh, teams to have a have a hope, like Miami, they they picked up two wins thanks to the Giannis injury. I mean, the... Uh, the Hawks even stealing the game off the Celtics. That one wasn't really down to injuries. That's just uh, the Hawks were able to step up on their home floor and steal a game. I was uh, definitely surprised at that one. And then obviously the injury over and in, uh, with the Clippers Suns. That was that's that's probably the, the major disappointment of the of the playoffs so far that we didn't get to see a full series of uh, of Kawhi versus versus KD. And after the first couple of games, it looked like it was going to be a really really intense battle, but. Uh, Outside of that, I mean, like you said, it's it's, it's tough to, to tough to say it's not one of the oh you could ask for really out of, out of the first round at least on, on only one sweep in each conference that's not that's not too bad and a lot of competitive series yeah yeah uh, speaking of stepping sorry this is gonna be the worst segue of all time but speaking of stepping can we address the Draymond thing real quick super quick everyone's already done it but I haven't heard your take on it was was Sabonis in the wrong was Draymond going too far was it both well what's, what's your take on the whole situation i mean Sabonis clearly grabs grabs at his ankle uh draymond knows exactly what he's doing when he's standing down he, he's got pissed off I, I guess there was other things going on during the game and he just got he just got pissed off it was it was just a battle that just happens you know draymond is uh, always <laughs> capable happened. is always capable of uh, going a step too far and uh I mean, the ejection was correct. The suspension was yeah. wrong. I think that's mm, okay. the best way about it. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, you should work for the uh, Warriors front office. That happens. You know, the emotions of the game. Dude, he stomped on the guy. Come on. He stomped directly on his chest. He curb stomped him. Literally <laughs> curb stomped him. That doesn't just happen. He didn't just push the guy. He didn't get in his face. Did he curb stomped him. But I, I don't buy the whole Sabonis. I was protecting my face thing. I don't buy the whole... Oh, he's questionable for, for uh, for the next game. Blah blah blah. It, that's a load of crap. I don't believe that either. But um, <laughs> where you're saying Simonis is using the ball as a weapon, like get yeah, out of here. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's and it's a dream. I think, I think it's 
like legalistically, it's obviously kind of it it doesn't make sense to me that he would he would get suspended based on previous actions because that's not really like that's not technically like how that's supposed to be done. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think it, it there is precedent, you know, he's a repeat offender. And you know that wasn't just some guy who got mad. It's like it's Draymond Green, you know, it comes with the territory. But at any rate, uh another another goon that we had in this series, the Dylan Brooks comments to LeBron James, which may not have directly backfired and LeBron dunking on him or dropping 50 or whatever, but the Lakers certainly responded. That's a pretty funny way to fall flat on your face after talking smack. And Lakers just continue to respond to this this feisty Grizzly squad. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's been great to see from, from the Lakers. Obviously, Brooks is trying to build up this reputation. He's trying to be the 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 neighborhood dick of the entire NBA. You know, <laughs> he's trying to uh, really be known as that. He's talking talking smack about anyone and everyone he can. But like LeBron, just he he's been here a million times before. He knows exactly what he's doing. All LeBron's doing is he's not thinking to himself. He's not going all oh, MJ. Oh, I took that personally. I have to go score fifty. No, no, he's just going to keep on playing his game. And when he plays his all round game. It brings success to the Lakers, and that's the, the the best thing he can do to shut Dylan Brooks up. They go and win this series. That's it. That's it. And Brooks himself, a nice way to respond to that. Only getting 19 minutes in the game, shooting three for 13. We'll we'll get into Brooks a little bit more later, but I think I want to introduce a quick little game here. Get us warmed up. We've been talking in a couple of weeks, so we use a little warm up. But just watching Dylan Brooks, watching Draymond Green, maybe think. And I saw another post people were talking about. Uh, what goon would you want in your team? Forget one goon on your team. If you had to draft a whole team of goons, we just we just opened an expansion team, and we got to draft our top five goons in the league to take on anybody. You may not win a game, but you're going to piss off everybody. You're going to get headlines all the time. It's going to be crazy good money, crazy good entertainment. So I first want to start off by hiring Dennis Rodman as our general manager Bring in Ron Artest as our head coach. We don't need the assistant coach. We just have Ron Artest out there yelling at the guys, juicing them up. But I'll give you the first pick, Ron. Who, who on this team? We're going to be the Tampa Bay Trolls. Who's going to be the Trolls' first-round pick? Well, we're going to have to go with Draymond Green. I, I want to say Dylan Brooks. Draymond, he he hasn't okay. built up enough of the reputation yet. We've got to take Draymond uh, as number one. He is a uh... all-timer. He's an all-time. He's an all-time troll. He's right. He's right up there with the with the very best of them. Draymond, I, I like that. You have to go Draymond first. You got to give him the respect. I mean, uh, leading the league in the past decade in technicals. So I mean, you just can't go wrong there. You know, you always got to draft a player that's able to play the best and bring out the worst of the best. So if LeBron James is still in the league, you know you got to have Lance Stevenson. I'm taking Lance, the second pick. Leads the league in blown ears, guitar dances, and missed three pointers. Lance Stevens is my second pick. I think that's fair. I think uh, we go we go a little bit higher. We go uh, we go for one that's just uh, uh, always always chirping, always talking. Sometimes more than he's actually playing. Patrick Beverly has got got to go in there. It's <laughs> hey. got to be a bit of Pat Bev. He can, Listen. he can, he can, he can play sometimes, <laughs> but more often than not, he is uh, just chatting garbage or or getting in fights with referees or or God knows what. He's he's definitely got to be in the squad. Taking pictures with with a Nikon SLR on the sidelines, 
that's his part-time job. He's a photographer also for uh, whatever team he's on. Last pick. Fourth pick, bro. Joel Embiid. Joel Enough Embiid. said. He's had he's he's fallen off a little bit as a troll. I, I will say, like three years ago was just like peak. Trust the process. Joel Embiid just like retweeting guys, tagging guys. I'm trying to remember. Was it Nick? Cla- I don't know if it was Nick Claxton. It was, or was it Clint Capella? I'm, I'm trying to remember, but he he tagged someone throughout the whole season, just every dunk that he would have on this guy. And he was just doing that the whole year. I I miss that Joel Embiid. Bring him back. And hopefully that Joel Embiid right now is uh, actually healthy. But that rounds out our team there. Dude, Pat Bev, Lance Stevenson, Draymond Green, Joel Embiid. Did we already guess, draft? We, we, we got we to gotta have our, our last pick. It's got to be Dylan Brooks. He's, he's it's got to be he's Dylan only, He's only on the cover, but it's got to be Dylan Brooks. He's got to be, on, gotta our, be. Our, on our team. He's the next... Uh, He's gonna be like Draymond the, over the next ten years, I think. If he's if he stays in the league that long, he might not have the success that Draymond has, but he'll uh, he'll definitely uh, pick up the text and talk and talk the smack like Draymond. Listen, Pat Bev, Lance Stevenson, Dylan Brooks, Draymond Green, Joel Embiid—they might not hit a lot of shots, but uh, I'm I'm taking that team over the Hawks. I'm got, taking that team over defense uh, and a scorer, bro. Over the Wolves. That, that's just that's too much heart. That's too much hustle. I think that there could be something there. We, we we may have just drafted a team that is capable of winning a playoff series. I don't know. I, I might have to go to, to 2K to, to try that out. But back to real basketball. Where, where do we start here? We, we already just talked a whole bunch of nonsense. Let's let's get into some real stuff, shall we? We, we, we will do that. We'll, we'll start at West, <laughs> and we'll start with the Lakers and Grizzlies. The, uh, the series so far, we're three games in. The Lakers are up 2-1. They have looked... Impressive. Obviously, they they blew the game when Ja when Ja went down. They yeah. They blew, they should they should they needed to win that game. That was big. That could have killed the series. They they won that game without Ja Morant playing. But kind of hard to say that when they've also won the two games that Ja Morant has played in. So I mean, it, it's kind of a weird uh, a weird sort of situation. But the Lakers have definitely looked impressive. They've they've stepped up to the mark defensively, big time, and I think that's been a big difference maker for them early. Yeah, I I think I mean they they win that game on the backs of uh four players, the five players getting into double did with Rui going off, with Austin Reeves going off in the in the fourth quarter. Most points in the fourth quarter or any one quarter that he's had in his career, quite obviously. Um and I, I think that's that's one of those games where you're just like I mean the 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 Lakers as a team just had their night in game one. And you got to just give it to them that they had that. Like, And then it's funny that they're taunting uh, Rui to do it again. And he's looked fantastic this whole series. Mm-hmm. And I think I want to think about long-term here that this is the kind of guy that you thought he could be, the way that he's playing right now. And I really firmly believe that younger players who need a new scene, like there's so many different dynamics and go into a player like finding himself. And I feel like the playoffs are a situation where it either makes or breaks you. And I think Rui is finding himself right now in this moment in the playoffs on this Lakers team where LeBron James himself is telling him that he trusts him and is like working out with him one-on-one, just giving him all the confidence in the world. He just looks like he looks like he's ready to be a legitimate, you know, starter on this championship level team. Like, I, I think he's really finding a moment here and Austin Reeves is continuing to do it. Both these guys are doing it. 
against the Grizzlies in a high, high pressure situation with absolute turned up intensity against them. Like, I think this this really means something, the the passing games that they play. This isn't just a couple games. Yeah, I think it's real with both of them, especially with, with Rui, the way he, the shots he's taken, the, the, the flow that he's in at the moment, it's going to take a lot to to kind of get him off that track. It's not like it's even expected. Even if he had a game where he dropped off, I don't think anyone really would uh, would like blink twice thinking that it, that it wasn't real. They, they It's not really expected of him. So he kind of, in a sense, he's under no pressure, but obviously you're, you're playing for the Lakers in the playoffs. So on a LeBron James team, you're always, you're always under a lot of pressure. But when you're playing with the confidence that he's playing with at the moment and the fact that he's coming off the bench as well and doing it, I think he's in a great moment and he's in a great position to for this to be able to continue. And we know Austin Reeves is going to do what Austin Reeves does. He can push the pace. He can, he can play make. He's going to get, make a couple of threes. He's going to make a, a couple of big plays that, uh, at the rim. And that's a, a key element that the Lakers don't have outside of like LeBron and AD. They need, they need that little bit more, especially the way Malik Beasley has struggled uh, when he's played. Obviously he's getting less minutes because Ruby's playing so well, but, they 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 they're needing they they need the, these other guys to step up as a, any team that's looking to to go all the way needs just random guys to step up in certain moments and and we're seeing that with the Lakers so far. Yeah, it's excellent because they they just have that depth now. Like if it's not Beasley, it could be Reeves. If it's not D'Lo, you know, it could be Rui. Like they have guys that you know throughout the flow of the game. That's why you have LeBron. That's why you have a good coaching staff to kind of recognize who's got it going who's got the hot hand who do we need to feed in this moment and they have guys that they can feed and reliably feel like you know if they find if they find that flow like it's going to come from one of them and amazing to see Rui do that but switching over to the Grizzlies um disappointing to see that John Wright come well really 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 positive to see John come back and drop 45 mm-hmm. like I wasn't sure seeing his his fingers bend back like that. I wasn't sure if he's gonna be done with the series. Like if that's gonna be some like serious issue moving forward. But I mean, I mean, as a team, they just they weren't ready for this game. And I, it's obviously still a series. It's only two one, but based on what you've seen so far, do you feel like this is gonna to go to seven? And do you feel confident who's gonna make it out of the series? I, I think it could it could still go either way. Obviously, we saw the way Ja bounced back uh, last night, that 45-9-13 performance. Obviously, you think he scored 19 straight points for the Grizzlies. Him coming out like that, and you think if he can continue to to play at that, that level and produce that uh, that amount of, of uh, points, the boards and assists across the board, the other guys are eventually going to click in and start, like, Bain's going to start hitting more shots, uh Canard is going to start making threes like he has been uh, throughout the regular season since he joined. Different things like that are going to come together for this Grizzlies team. So the Lakers are going to have to do more to try and stop Jamarant and make sure that they take advantage of this moment now. They, they haven't put together back-to-back performances really yet. AD needs to stay hot. He can't take take a break. He took took a break on uh, in game yeah. two. <laughs> he, he, he can't do that. He has to, he has to stay aggressive he has to say dominant on the boards and the lakers need to take advantage of this i think the longer the series goes the more i would favor the grizzlies yeah i, I agree with that I, I think that the grizzlies are going to have they're going to bring it every night even though they have poor shooting right like last night they're not going to fade away um and it's interesting that ad has these most rewaxes and lanes 
And you see kind of a similar thing from Jaron Jackson Jr., who in game one looked like the best player on the floor. Game two looked solid. Game three, I mean, just like AD's game two, just kind of asleep. AD had an amazing response um, against the Grizzlies. Game three, was a 31 points, 17 rebounds. Just like has the ability to just dominate inside. But sometimes in game two, they were just so – and this is what the, the Grizzlies can do to anybody. Like they were so physical with, with AD. I mean, so <laughs> John Contra, two blocks on AD. And honestly, I, you, you saw his vibe change. After, like, he got blocked from behind, and he got blocked just straight up right at the rim. And ever since then, he was very hesitant around the rim. Like, he just did not – he did not respond to that well. And, you know, I, I think that's, that's a formula that the Grizzlies will continue to try to use throughout the series. But I, I have no idea where this is going now, just given that John's healthy now. Um, all it's going to take is another bounce back shooting night, but AD can be the best player on the floor. He's still got LeBron with all these role players and Lakers playing well. You know, I think the Lakers have a chance. If Rui is going to play like this, like solid shooting, solid, especially like his shooting throughout the regular season has been terrible for him to shoot like this in the playoffs. That is a difference maker for me. I'm going to take the Lakers here in seven games. As much as I want my Grizzlies to win, I think you can't, if you have uh, Rui, First of all, playing solid defense like he is too, and then shooting like he is, running the the open floor, Austin Reeves continuing his performance, just that extra amount of depth and offensive ability that's gonna that's gonna take Lakers far in the playoffs and beyond the first round. Yeah, and it's gonna it's actually interesting that this is the first time they're playing in front of a full house uh, mm. in the playoffs in the LeBron era because obviously we had the bubble, <laughs> then they had the, the the limited attendance when they when they faced the the Suns. So it's actually pretty cool that this is the first yeah. time they're playing on the home floor. So they I didn't realize they, that. They gotta have they gotta have their uh, their fans behind them. They gotta they gotta play up to that, and then that 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 will give them a win in, in this series. Now they've already stolen that game. If they just win all their home games from here on in, they win the series. Sim- simple as that. Mm-hmm. So that uh, I bet we move on. Then we'll we'll stay out in California and we'll talk probably the most interesting series so far: yeah. the Kings and the Warriors. Uh, obviously it's been unbelievable seeing the atmosphere at these Kings games, their return to the playoffs, lighting the beam. It's been absolutely <laughs> unbelievable to watch. There are two on head now. They were, they struggled. The Warriors showed their pedigree in that return when they returned home, uh, and fairly well dominated that, uh, that game. It, it feels like home advantage is going to be the most crucial thing about this about this series, and that's why you could see the Kings, the Kings going on to win. I could I could see every home uh, the home team winning every game for the rest of this series. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I mean if you just do the math, you just look exactly what these teams did throughout the whole season. Um, the most consistent thing that you can see is that the Warriors are really bad on the road, and they showed it. They're just a completely different team, and again, we just have no explanation for it. Um, so if that's a prevailing factor here, then it's going to be Kings and seven, but I'm a little concerned about our Kings a little bit because we've seen them go from, which was not really talked about. Like they had the highest offensive rating for a whole season in NBA history. It seems like offenses just continue to get, but every other year we're like, Oh, this is the best offense ever. Whether it's the jazz Hawks before them. Now we're talking about the, uh, the, the Kings, there's just historic offense blooming everywhere. But we haven't seen that historic offense in the playoffs yet. And a couple things concern me about that. One, I, I did a little digging on some of uh, the shooting guards we've seen in the playoffs here. Um, and one name that I didn't mean to pull up was our guy, Kevin Herter. 
who in the regular season was an absolute flamethrower, arguably the best shooter in the NBA. Make your arguments, I think, just as a movement shooter. He probably, you throw a guy doing a marathon like that, he's doing some some Ray Allen impressions, the way he moves around the court, and just shooting on the move, great efficiency. In his last 20 playoff games, he has a true shooting of 47.4%. Do you want to guess what he's shooting from three in those last 20 playoff appearances? Uh, 27. <laughs> I mean, do you do your homework? No, it's exactly 27%. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's 27%. So it's not like this is just a blip. It, you know, I, I think with the added pressure of the playoffs, he has not set up to perform yet, and he has yet to do it. It's not like in the last three, in the last 20 games, it goes back to his time in Atlanta. Obviously, a different team, different matchup, different scheme, but not voting well. And I think also you look at how the Warriors have switched up, how they're playing the Kings. They're just basically telling Sabonis, like, you got to beat us one-on-one. They're not really bringing a lot of doubles. Looney's done a tremendous job, not just defending him one-on-one in the paint, but also on the offensive boards. He's, like, top five, top three offensive rebounder of the league. That's not also not talked about enough. Um, so that those two things are really concerning me because the the Warriors are taking away their offense. Their shoot the Kings shooters have are in the worst slump of the, the entire year. They're taking away the DHO, which they knew is what they're good at. They're just mucking up the passing lanes and forcing Zabonis to be the one to beat them. That this is going to be a very difficult series moving forward as they the Warriors defense has found success with that. Yeah, I mean that's what that's what the great teams do. They 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 find the the biggest strength of their opponent, and they they do whatever they can to 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 hurt that, to stop that, to to limit that. And that's exactly what the Warriors are doing. If they can continue to do it, can the Kings adapt? Can they they find other ways? That's that's when we'll see. That's when we'll see if they're uh, if they're really ready. One thing, one guy who definitely has been ready is is De'Aaron Fox. Obviously. Efficiency wise, it hasn't been great, but in terms of putting those numbers up, he's he's already he's looking like a like a playoff playoff ready player. He's averaging twenty nine five and eight three steals a game. Just a question of the efficiency. He's looked ready for this moment, but if efficiency is the only issue in your first playoff series, then uh, it, it's a good sign uh, looking ahead. Yeah, they've they've let him, if not let let him wide open, but they've definitely been more concerned with his drives, reasonably so. And he's had solid looks. Like he's had mostly, mostly open looks that he's missing here. So I mean, it's I don't know if we're necessarily due for a big three point shooting night from Garen Fox. I mean, <laughs> Herder is twenty games overdue in the playoffs and having one of those nights. But same thing with Clay. I mean, when's the everyone's talking about the Clay game? When's the Clay game going to come? And yeah, mm. I don't know if you're too worried about that. Hopefully, it comes uh, in the Bay when they're going to win anyway, apparently. But, but I think one, one thing that's also interesting about the Warriors is they win without Draymond Green. They win without Draymond Green. And Draymond Green has been the biggest X factor for the past couple of years. Whenever he's out, offense is clunky. Whenever he's out, defense is bad. But Warriors' defense was tremendous. Warriors played a great perimeter game, ran more pick and rolls. And their, I mean, their pick and roll efficiency is like top five in the league, even though they don't do it at all, basically. Um, so I wonder if they'll do that more. And also, I mean, this is we, we don't want to ask too many offseason questions in the midst of talking about the playoffs, but does their success without Draymond, albeit in one game, um, and seeing the young guys contribute too, 
seeing a different style of play that they can have. Does that kind of does that kind of tell us that there's a situation in which maybe they don't extend Draymond Green? If 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 there's if he's demanding too much, if if there's if there is a future without Draymond Green, do they start that sooner than later? Especially depending on how these series go. I I I think so. I think they can. They they have to believe in these these other guys. They have to start thinking about the next the next wave. Obviously, they want to. They 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 have to want to keep Draymond. Of course, they do. But if it's gonna be if he's gonna ask for too much, obviously you gotta respect the loyalty. You gotta respect what he's done for this team. But there has to be a mark that they know, and they're like, we can go to this. There's no, there's no more than that. He wants more than that. We're we're not gonna pay it, and we're gonna we're just gonna have to move on. And they can have some confidence that it won't just be a complete debacle. Obviously, we've only seen it in small spells. We've seen more consistently that the, the team has struggled on both ends when he's when he's not there, rather than had success like they did in the in game three. But you definitely have to think that they they have to be smart about this as well. They can't just they can't do yeah, got to be a business decision. Can't just be with the heart. Yeah, yeah, and and. Again, I'd really believe that they can play a little bit differently. Uh, with I think one thing with Draymond too, everyone obviously points to the shooting, which has always been a problem for him, which he makes up for with just constantly moving the ball, constantly screening, rescreening, um, knowing where everyone's going to cut. Like he just he makes up for it in such amazing ways. But you looked at what the Warriors looked like putting the ball in Wiggins' hand. Um, you know, with with Moody attacking closeouts, he had a few great moments there. Uh, if when Kaminga's actually playing smart and putting pressure on the rim, you know that there is a very different version of the Warriors where they have players that can put pressure on the rim, and Draymond does not do that. Um, Draymond connects the whole team, especially when you get the ball to him in the middle of the floor. But he's not. No, no one's afraid of him getting to the rim. That that's that's not a thing, and that I think has been a a big reason why the Kings were able to play such a fantastic defense in game one and game two. Um, and kudos to Mike Brown. Uh, the Athletic did a great breakdown of this, um, looking at all the defensive looks they put on uh, Curry, I mean, throwing a box in one and trying one two, playing man. And they're just really putting uh, Damian Mitchell to the task there. And they really put on a show defensively. As bad as they played offensively, defensively, they really shut the Warriors down. And, you take Draymond Green out of the equation, and suddenly that changes. Again, they play at home. But these are just questions that, you know, if we're thinking of, are probably something that's been thought of in the back of the Warriors' um, front office's minds. But it's this has been such a fantastic series nonetheless. And I don't know. I, I think I agree with you. I think it goes down to seven. And if it's just home games, you know, the Kings, Kings win that. Yeah, it's gonna the home advantage could could really prove key, but at the same time, you're also you know, gonna get to that game seven. It, it it could break down as simply as like a a Steph Curry versus the Aaron Fox matchup, and then you're gonna probably uh, look and probably maybe maybe favor the Warriors. But it, it's definitely been a very interesting series, and probably probably the most likely to go uh to go the distance, especially at West. Uh, one that's not gonna go the distance, unfortunately, is the Clippers and the Suns. Suns now up three one, yeah. Uh, just uh, really, really disappointing. They, respect to the Clippers, they've they've put up really strong performances. To they've stayed close in the in the game since uh, Kawhi Leonard has gone down. But God damn it, Kawhi, can you not just stay healthy? You like, come on, you've been they've been waiting for this all year, and 
two games into the playoffs and he's down and the hope is gone. <laughs> if he is healthy, I think it would I think they take this to seven. Mm-hmm. And it, unfortunately, we're, we're talking reality right now. He's not healthy. If, if it, uh, Paul George is healthy too, I think they win this in six. But all that to say, they probably run this back next season. I think they bring back Russell Westbrook. And Russ, I think we have to talk two things here. Um, Russell Westbrook, first of all, this is this is just prime Russell Westbrook experience in game one. Just the amount of like, you know, just boneheaded plays here and there, just attacking the basket when clearly like Tyler wants to get into offense, just throwing up wild layups, missing layups, and then making up for it with insane offensive rebounding, defending Kevin Durant from behind, defending Devin Booker from behind. The, the way that he's just been able to really disrupt their shooting rhythm has been tremendous. But even bigger credit to Durant and <laughs> Devin Booker. We had this conversation, whatever, whose team is it? I think it's definitely Devin Booker. It, he's continued to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And Durant has been, I mean, a, a super souped-up version of Mikhail Bridges on this team. And But I, I think Russell Westbrook standing up to the challenge you know, not backing down from this big three. And really, I mean, this this feels like a job interview. And I think the Clippers will need to bring him back based on, like, the kind of performance that he's given them, the kind of defense, the kind of rebounding, the playmaking. And they can live with with the rest, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's proven a, he proved a, a, a great fit. Uh, looking at it in this in this playoff series, I mean, the, the games he's, he's put up since, since Kawhi's gone down, he's been awesome, even in the games with Kawhi. Obviously struggled in that first game, but he stepped up with important plays on both ends of the floor in key moments. And then he really stepped up his, his scoring then in the, in the game since. Unfortunately, it's not enough. He's not going to be able to lead past this really talented Suns team. But it's a great sign to show what Russ can still do and what he can bring to this team with and without the two uh, the two lead, lead stars on the team. Uh, Playing, playing or not, when we know it's with the two of them, they're they're likely going to be a lot of not playing rather than playing in a lot of uh, situations, especially in the regular season. So yeah. it, it, that that's been a good sign. I mean, it shows how good of a coach Ty Lue is to be able to the way he's been able to set up this team. The how close they've been to to the Suns in games was a five five points in game three, and then obviously it was twelve last night. But for the most part of the game, it was close. There was a few lead changes and that, so it was. Still good battles for the most part, unfortunately. But with, with the Suns, then it 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 feels a little bit like they're just taking advantage of the the Clippers' woes. Obviously, Booker has been red hot. He's been he's been unbelievable, thirty five a game, and obviously KD is still just being KD doing twenty eight a game, eight assists or seven assists, I think it is, and a block of a steal. He's just, and like he's he's just having it so so easy at times. But I still think that they haven't fully got going yet. And mm-hmm. I think they're 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 a little bit lucky that the Clippers are not healthy. They they would be under a lot more pressure if this even if it was just Kawhi. Obviously, if it was PG and Kawhi, it'd be a whole other story. But even just Kawhi, this Suns team would be under a lot more pressure than they are. And they're gonna have to. Maybe this is what they needed to get KD back in his flow, to get to try and just work out some things on the court. This sort of series. And they'll be good to go for the next round, but at the moment it kind of feels like they're, they're, they're a little bit, a little bit lucky uh, uh, that the Clippers aren't at, at full strength. Yeah, they 
they're not even at full peak. I 100% agree with that because the amount of tough, tough shots that they've been taking is it's tremendous. The fact that they're still they're still dominating and, and Booker's still shooting efficiently, Durant's still shooting efficiently, Chris Paul is still scoring, like not even getting to the rim. Like they're shooting so many contested mid rangers, um, and they haven't really gotten into the flow of the offense they wanted. They they have little bits and pieces of that. Um, there's I thought there's this awesome point in time in uh, game two when you have basically just the middle of the floor wide open. They're just daring. Aiden to shoot and covering everybody else. Just basically like if you're gonna score right now, it's just gonna be that. And Aiden had like three, four mid rangers in a row. And then Ty Lu had to scrap that defense and move on to the next thing. And that and that's a kind of counter from Aiden that you love to see. You love to see that Aiden can be a piece of that he's not gonna be passive and that he can be aggressive. And when the D when you have to go all the way down to the other opponent's fourth option and they're scoring efficiently through that like you can't you can't win it's a playoffs like you can't win like if you if you decide to stop booker then you got to deal with durant all right now you dealt with durant now you're going to deal with the pick and roll of chris paul and Aiden. all right now maybe you've taken away chris paul's mid you've taken away the lob and you just leave the middle of the floor open and then you have Aiden there and he's scoring like this team is just so unguardable and they haven't even gotten to a flow of consistently doing that and this team's going to discover that throughout every series, trying to find ways to expose expose other teams. But I mean, three years of this, and the, I mean, with how like this team has every possible answer on the offensive end that you can hope for, and if they get rolling, I mean, this is you're looking at your your Western Conference finalists here. If they if they get going, because right now against Clippers, Clippers are playing really hard. Tyloo consistently making. Uh, adjustments, trying to find answers for this this offense, and like you said, they're not even at full strength yet. Yeah, exactly. And like, obviously, you just look at the the sun part of the team. You must fear chasing down a lead. Like, you can be up fifteen or twenty points, and unless it's like the last two minutes of the game, yeah, you can you can be confident that the Suns could could easily chase that back down. So there's no comfort level for for opponents, and and that's got to be. Uh, a big, big plus for the Suns moving forward and a big, big fear for all the other teams out West. But it's going to be interesting to see how they fare next matchups, hopefully going up against uh, going up against a full-strength team. But uh, then to finish out the West, another series that is not uh, really living up to much, but being good for the Denver Nuggets, the number one seed. They're 3-0 and against the T-Wolves. I think they're going to complete the sweep. But hey, Ant said it's not over. Uh, oh, that, that's true. He did say that. So that, I guess I guess they have the T Wolves might might just win one game. But no, <laughs> I I think the sweep is going to come. Yeah. And it's been an impressive start for the Nuggets. Obviously, yeah. T Wolves aren't anything any any great shakes at the moment. But the the Nuggets have been really impressive. And I questioned some of the role players uh, before before the playoffs started. Jamal Murray has. Uh, Kind of looking a little bit like Bubble Murray. He uh, he struggled obviously in Game Three, but they still won. But uh, some of the, the performances that he's had early, he's he's looking uh, back back to his best. Yeah, I'm. I really believe in this Nuggets team. I do, and I, I think that if they continue to play like this and the non Jokic, if they can take Jokic off the floor and be an average team, like they have a they have a really good shot. Um, and I think not not just Murray too, but I think. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. He he's looked great. He's looked 
in great playoff form. You like to see that. I mean, we just talked about Kevin Herter being a regular season hero and then disappearing in the playoffs. I think Michael Porter Jr. and uh, Murray are the kind of players that can step up. And if, if we haven't seen that from MPJ yet, but he's shown it so far. Um, it's Timberwolves team that we know are difficult out, even though that they, they played some disorganized basketball over the past couple of years. You know, they have the talent to really threaten teams. And the Nuggets have handled this absolutely professionally. Absolutely professionally. Um, I mean, this is a Timberwolves team that, that really threatened the Grizzlies very recently. Yeah. And for them to get swept in the first round is a major change from that team that they were last year and major concern alarm bells for what they're going to look like next year and into the future. But I think this is an unsurprising outcome for a Jokic led team that has been one of the most consistently elite professional basketball teams in the league. Yeah. Yeah. And like Jokic is just, just, out there taking it easy he's only averaging 20 points per game and the team has still been so dominant I know obviously uh, the playmaking and the, and the rebounding is also a big part of his game but when your best player only has to average 20 mm-hmm. to to uh, to likely sweep a series that means this team is in, in really good flow really playing at a high level and going to be only get better moving forward in the playoffs yeah, yeah, absolutely. That that is probably the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing is that you you look at MB just absolutely working his tail off and not healthy. I mean, you you look at um, how hard that Kawhi had to play, and now he's not healthy. Um, so you worry about some of the, the the stars in the playoffs and the early goings. Look at Jimmy Butler. Look at Giannis. Um, that just have too much on their plate, and they're not going to be healthy for the whole playoff series. Um, uh, and it's a long haul. I mean, there's a long, long way to go before you get to a championship. And Jokic not having to do too much right now. And if they get a sweep in the midst of that, that's massive. That's massive. And the Nuggets already had a really tough road for being the best team in the West. And they need all the rest they can get. So that that's probably going to be a big factor in whether or not they're, they're the team to be in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's definitely going to be interesting to watch moving forward. And you mentioned Embiid, so we'll switch over to to the Eastern Conference now. We'll start off with 76ers. They've swept the Nets. Were they like like similar to Jokic? Embiid did not have to be the dominant scorer to get these wins, but unfortunately, he is now injured again. And sprain, knee sprain. Likely the series against uh, what I expect to be the Celtics is probably due to start next weekend, I think. So likely he's going to be out for game one. Maybe they'll bring him back, but he won't be at 100%. So I think maybe they rest mm-hmm. him game one and hope that he's back at a level that uh, he's been playing at all season. But yet again, just to talk on Embiid, it's, this is the fear that I, I mentioned. I think it was early in the season. Maybe the 76ers won't ever get that chance because Embiid just cannot stay healthy through a regular season and a playoff run. It, it's it's getting it's really getting worrying that this is happening again. What do you what do you think about how the the Nets played the 76ers in terms of how, how did do you feel like Embiid was a little bit he was limited by the way that they, they were harassing him in the post, doubling him, and we, we expected this. Do you, do you think that was a, a good outcome, the limited shots he took and the amount that he was passing 
or is that more of a formula that other teams can exploit? I think there was there was a lot of moments where he he actually looked good playing playing that way, and I think he's going to have to be able to do that more going up against better defensive teams like like the Celtics, who are gen, uh, likely going to be the, the their next opponent. He's got to be capable of making those passes. He's got to be able to get his head up. And when you have guys on the team, the seventy six are the best uh, three point shooting team there is. So when he can make those those plays, when he gets doubled, when he gets crowded out that's a difference maker for philly and that's going to help them to 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 win games and to and to really challenge the the better teams in the east i'm i'm a little concerned about it because while while it it held up against the nets and i i do think that and he's really taken such a big step in his playmaking especially through the doubles 100 that like in terms of you got a sweep you can't really complain about getting a sweep here but I guess put this performance against the Celtics. Now the Celtics are going to probably do pretty much exactly the same thing. They're, they're going to mirror this to a key. And what do you do now when you have Harden facing Marcus Smart and you have Tyrese Maxey? It's been excellent. Um, I mean, Ty- Tyrese Maxey is the reason that I think they're, they're sweeping here. I mean, he's, he's a plus 41, 100%. plus 41 in the series. Um, it's a true shooting of 61%. And this is why I did the shooting guard uh, dig because I, I was looking at looking at a couple. I was looking at Trey, and then I started to look at Harden because I know Harden's been having such a tough time. You want to guess his true shooting in the past 20 games? Harden's? Yeah. Uh, like 45? Oh, man, that's that's tough. No, it's... 54, which is for a true shooting set, it's it's awful. And yeah. 54 puts him puts him pretty much in the uh the bottom the bottom 10 and in his in his uh in his last 20 games puts him in the bottom 10 in shooting guards um in 20 games played. And Harden has not without his outside shot and now not able to really finish inside, and now he's facing the Celtics. We're assuming the Celtics. We'll get to that in a second. Um, my big question is, are they going to make it to six games against the Celtics? Uh, not, not with James Harden playing the way he is currently. Uh, this series, obviously, this Nets team, really, they 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 really looked like a, a, a thrown-together team uh, during this, this series. Had some flashes on both ends. That, the times they looked good, but for the most part, it... it it came to be what it should have been, which is because kind of a ragtag team kind of just thrown together based off mid-season trades, and that's how that's how it worked out. And the fact that Harden's numbers were down all, all across the board playing against that, really, really worrying. Shooting 34% from the field in those uh, in those games, only averaging 17 points. He's gotta he's gotta step up. He has to be at regular season Harden level. Maybe even more than that if Embiid is not at a hundred percent tilt, but that's more of a worry. I'm I'm just hoping and praying that Embiid is is back at a at a, at a level for for this series. But I, I I'm much more concerned with with James Harden's performances. He's gotta he's gotta step up in a way like like we even we've seen Russ being able to do. Obviously in, in losing situations, but when he's not the lead guy, he's gotta he's gotta be playing better than this. So Harden, it's been disappointing. Yeah, it's 
I I think it's it's over. I've I've seen enough at this point, and and doing doing that search, like just looking at how how he's performed over the past. It it's gonna take it's gonna take continued performances like this from Maxi. Yeah, Maxi needs to be the one to step up, and you know I'm okay with that. Like if if this is Maxi's moment, we just talked about how Rui's having his moment stepping into a a starter quality role. Um, this is Maxi's moment. If if you are being if you're gonna be different. If you're not just going to be a starter and a promising young player, if you're going to become a star, like this is going to have to be the moment because Harden's not going to do it. Um, and Embiid's going to need so much help. Tobias Harris, like, are you going to expect him to, to have some big, like, Maxi's going to need to have massive games against the Celtics because you know that Embiid's not going to bully his way through through Rob, Rob Williams and Al Horford for seven games. That's, that's just impossible, especially he's not even full health. Like Maxi needs to have some big games, and Bede's gonna have to shoot better uh, from beyond the arc, and they're need, gonna need to find, you know, it's gonna have to be the the best games of Maxi's career, essentially. That's what it's gonna come down to, or even go down to six games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I think I think you're you're absolutely right. Uh, I think Maxi is definitely capable. Hopefully, Embiid is capable of uh, of playing up to that level. But yeah, the 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 worry is definitely there for me now with the. With the 76ers haven't seen despite despite the sweep. The sweep is not really filling me with uh, encouragement compared to what we've seen with like the net the nuggets doing to the to the T Wolves out west. But uh, we mentioned the Celtics a few times, so let's talk their uh, their series with the Hawks. Two one. The Hawks actually managed to steal a game. So it's really surprising. Uh but the way I'm looking at it, I'm thinking if the Celtics are the team that I think that they are. They will end this in five games, and they've got their little slap in the face, their little wake up call. They will go and dominate the next two games, and 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 do this in five. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I'm, I originally was just going to essentially just be talking about, you know, Trey and how bad he's been. Um, not not in a hating way, just like in terms of like what what is really going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, good response. I mean, anytime you're going to get thirty out of Trey Young, um, and it, anytime they're going to you know, out rebound the Celtics like they did. And this is really a tremendous uh, skill that they've shown over the end of the season here is that they can out rebound anybody. They just mm-hmm. out rebounded the Celtics 48 to 29 in this last game. Um, but the Celtics should win this in five. And the conversation really should refocus back to, you know, what is, what is Trey's future here? Um, that's what I wanted to talk about um, because he's another guy that you, you look back. Um, and Trey's made the top five and worst field goal percentage of any all-star in the league since 2000. And he did that a couple of years ago. And this is specifically for the playoffs, I should clarify. Um, after this season, after this playoff run, unless he just has this crazy, crazy run of shooting, he's going to make that list again. He's going to make a list of top five worst field goal percentage of any all-star in the league since 2000 in the playoffs. And no one on that list has ever done that twice. Wow. And to put that into context, he is doing this to himself. Like the, he's he's taking insanely hard shots. He's, you know, his floater comes and goes, and he's not doing a whole lot shooting off ball. And I think he just needs to tone it down a bit. And the question for me is whether or not Quinn Snyder can get that out of him, but we've already seen Quinn Snyder bench him once early in the first quarter um, last game. 
And I mean, if, if that's a sign of anything, it's like Quinn Snyder doesn't care. I mean, he, he's going, he wants to develop Trey Young for sure. But if it comes down to team success, you know, this isn't Trey's way or the highway. This is Trey needs to adapt. And Trey needs to do this for himself too, not just the team. Like he is not the player that he thinks he is. Yeah, straight yeah. up. 100%. He, it's a, it's a mentality is a, is a big part of this. It's he's like trying too hard to be to be Steph Curry, but at the same time he's not being Steph Curry at all cuz Steph Curry gives the ball to other players. He he plays off ball. He's he does all the right things cuz of this thing here. That's what Trey has to develop. He's got to He's got to develop a better understanding of the game. He's got to accept that the best thing for the team is not for him to just shoot all the time, taking long step back threes when it's the beginning of the shot clock is just is useless. It's not winning basketball. It's not going to lead him to having a great career. Yeah, he might have high level points per game, but he's not going to have any any real success if he doesn't accept that he can't just shoot from everywhere, do everything himself. He's gotta gotta play for the team. He's gotta give up the ball sometimes. He's gotta be willing to play off ball. He could become a much better three point shooter if he shot a bit more off ball, I think, and less time to think, easier looks. He'd become a much better player and and the Hawks as a whole or whatever team he may he may be on would would have more success because He's got the talent. He just doesn't have the decision making, the the mentality to really be successful as of yet. Still a young guy, but it's been a few years now, and it doesn't really feel like he's learning. Yeah, and man, look at look at the death of heliocentric basketball over the past five years. We 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 looked at James Harden just like high high screen rolls in Houston. Thought we'd see that again in in Brooklyn. Where did that go? Nowhere. I mean, look at Luka Doncic. He's not in the playoffs right now. Then we look at Trey Young. That has not worked out either. And you can't point to an, a single um, heliocentric offense here. Not you can't even look at Giannis doesn't even play that way. Like that, it's it's been pretty clear that that has proved itself out of the NBA in terms of successful long term success. You know, these just forcing the ball through one guy. A lot of step back threes, like this this ISO heavy style of play, has not worked with uh, some of the stars that teams across the league have tried it with. And the fact that Trey Young's like his playoff lore, like all the hype that's come around him, has come from these ridiculous long range threes. It's come from all these uh, gutsy performances like that. I don't think that's done him well. I mean, that's what his image is based off right now. But I think he needs to recreate himself. And to recreate yourself is difficult on the same team. Mm-hmm. And again, more off-season sneak peeks before it's even the off-season for some of these teams. But um, for a team that just signed Quinn Snyder, like we've talked about before, to a long-term deal, a team that needs to rediscover themselves, Trey Young's not doing himself any favors by continuing to be the same in a playoff series for that they desperately wanted to at least compete it. And hey, they won one game. Maybe things change. But I think the first... The first couple of games are a little more telling and more exemplary of what he's done in the past and the playoffs and in the regular season. And we'll see if that changes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously the young Murray combo came up in the, in mm-hmm. game three. They combined for 57, for sure. 12, and 14. They aren't going to be able to do that for for the rest of this series. 
which means they are not probably not going to win another game in this series. Crazier things have happened. The Hawks have, have made runs before. They've they've surprised before. But unless Boston just take wanna take a rest for, for a couple of games, then uh then then the Hawks I don't think have uh, have too much hope here. One thing on the Celtics, I think obviously White, his performances have been great uh so far, especially defensively. He's making good shots as well, shooting fifty six percent from uh from three. I think Brown has struggled just a little bit. I think they'll they'll need to get they want him really uh pushing it and really playing his best. Obviously Tatum's still looking great, but Brown needs to step it up a little bit, especially moving forward for this team to really be at the full tilt and and be the uh maybe the team team to beat uh not just in the East but in the entire NBA. So that's that's a couple of things to to look at with the with the Celtics. But I think uh, I think we're both pretty confident that it's gonna be done in five, yeah. Yeah. And what, why don't why don't we uh well I still guess we got to get through Bucks Heat I don't know how to feel about the Bucks Heat yeah we'll we'll get to that and we'll we'll finish off with the the real story yeah. the only real series that matters you know so uh, <laughs> Bucks and Heat uh it's tough to talk about it because because Giannis obviously got injured yeah. early game let's one. just answer that question then let's answer that question do you play Giannis that that's that's the only question that matters right now I the mean Bucks are down yeah do you do it uh, yeah. Yeah, unless it's like something that if you play, he could be he could be done. Unless it's that sort of level of seriousness, I think I think you got to play him. He's he's capable of playing through whatever pain he's feeling. I think I think you got to go. Yeah, a back a back injury for a guy like him, and man, I I I think I I definitely pause when I think about playing it because i think logically like okay you need to win this game you need to win this series obviously to make it forward but if Giannis isn't even going to be fully healthy the rest of the the rest of the playoffs and that, that's a serious question to answer if he's not going to be healthy if you're getting 70 percent Giannis for the rest of the playoff run is that worth potentially making the injury worse if he can't even be fully himself for the rest of the playoffs uh looking at it that way obviously you say no but as a manager um, yeah the yeah. honest will say yes but yeah yeah it's a it's a tough call to make it's how much belief do you have in your team being able to to step up how what 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 sort of rest does he need to be back fully healthy i don't know is this is this an injury there's no way he can be Fully healthy by like if it got to like a game six, is it is it that sort of way? If it's uh, the idea that he could be back and fully healthy maybe by the end of this series, if the Drew and and Middleton can uh, hold down the ranks and and get the win like they did in a uh, in game two, then yeah. you're thinking okay we can we can hold off a little bit. This team has shown before that they can step up, but it it's a really tough situation for obviously for the books for for. For Coach uh, Budenholzer, I'd say he's uh, he's kind of tearing his hair out a little bit. That <laughs> whatever hair is left, yeah, whatever's left, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it's a tough situation, and it doesn't help when you've got you got playoff Jimmy uh, out there in uh, in Miami. Obviously, in the two wins, he's at what thirty five, five and eleven, then thirty five and four, averaging thirty points, six assists, shooting sixty seven percent from three. Playoff Jimmy is here to play. That's when you're like, okay, I kind of need, uh, I need Giannis now. 
But in, in terms for the Heat, if they're going to keep this going, Robinson, obviously, he was red hot in the game last night, uh, 20 points off the bench, but no Tyler Hero now. He has yep. got to be consistent. Obviously, he, is, <laughs> he can be a problem on the defensive end, but if he's not making threes for this Miami Heat team, they're in a little bit of trouble, and that opens the door that bit for uh, for this books, even without Giannis. Yeah, consistency has been something he's been searching for for a year and a half, two years now. Um, mm-hmm. Max Struess is essentially taking his spot. So, I mean, this is his time to – this is heat culture, man. I mean, next man up. Right? That's their mentality. That's what they do. We'll see how healthy Jimmy Butler is. But um, I guess it's just a, a bruised bruised glute. That's what it is? That's, that, that's a, a scientific word for uh, just a, a bruised a bruised ass. He's got a sore ass. I don't know. I, I mean, he'll, you should be able to play it seems. But I, I think, oh man, it's it's really tough. I mean, if, if it's if you're you ultimately put it up to Giannis, Giannis is going to say whether he plays or not. I think Giannis does play, but does concern you. Does concern you that you look what happened a couple years ago and they they ended up. Uh, that was when they won it all, right? That was the year that he hyperextended his knee, thought it was all over, and then he came back and played. They won the championship. So. If if history is going to teach us anything, it's that Giannis knows his body and he's not human. He's a he's a demigod. He's gonna be fine and he'll just come back and play. But man, I'm I'm worried. I'm I'm worried about him. I'm worried about his health if he's going to play injured, especially against a heat team like this. He's the Greek freak for a reason, but uh, let's let's hope he gets back. We want to see playoff games and playoff battles with uh, with both teams at full strength. And you think Miami could even still test his team even with uh with Giannis back, but that's a series to keep an eye on. He obviously two one up, another home game to come. They could be in a very strong position when they head back, uh, head back to Milwaukee. They could take uh, advantage of of the situation, just like the Suns have done with the with the Clippers. But let's move on then. The final one to talk about the major, the major series, the Cavs and my New York Knicks. It has. How been, you doing? It, it it's been good. It, it's it's been a. a a slug fest. It's been a it's been a battle, and it's exactly what we wanted it to be. <laughs> it, it's looking like it's gonna it, it could go seven games, mainly because neither of these teams are capable of putting together back to back performances. It seems, uh, that's a big problem. If either team can can do that, they they may win the series. I mean, you look at like the Cavs in Game Three, first team this entire season to not hit eighty points. What a time to do that <laughs> in the playoffs! Like, what, like that's when you choose that moment to happen. Seventy nine points total, and like the the Knicks in game two, shooting thirty seven percent from the field, twenty four percent from deep. Like that's just that's horrendous level of uh, of shooting and scoring. Obviously, you put some down to the defense, but it's just bad bad plays for the Knicks. Game one was a real battle. That was a great win for for New York. That's why I have. I have the faith that they can they can take this series. That that game one really, really filled filled me with almost expectation that they they should go and win this series now. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely I felt the same, especially that they did it on the Cavs' home floor. Um, and I I, <laughs> I got to question your statement there. This, this is this is the this they're playing the series that we wanted to see because I I didn't think the shooting would be this bad, man. Like this is like the antithesis of the Warriors Kings where you just have high-powered offense on, on both sides. Uh, and just teams forgetting how to shoot right now between the Cavs and the Knicks. Um, yeah, game three is just – that's awful. The Cavs had a million open shots. You thought 
the the shots they're letting uh they're letting Garland have was just like he should have he should have sank half of them. He had a lot of open looks. Um and just, you know, I guess teams will have a game like that here and there. Hopefully both the Knicks and Cavs got it out of the way and now it's now it's gonna be uh, an even series. But I, I thought the the battle of the bigs has been really fascinating. Really good. Really, really good. Mitchell Robinson has had his moments. Um really just he I th- I think he's trying to prove that he's the the strongest center. He's the strongest big in this uh on the court at any time and he, he is i mean truly is a jared allen fantastic rebounder really great vertical threat but robinson's just such a such an enforcer down in the paint the way that you can just box out and get any offensive rebound that he wants and i that surprised me i, I thought that his impact would be a little bit muted since he doesn't have a big size advantage or anything but he's still proven that he can he can perform at a high level there um now how have you felt about RJ Barrett has a little bit of a bounce back in game three, but been pretty quiet. How how worried were you after game two where you're like, when is he going to do anything? I mean, yeah, you get that you get that feeling a lot uh, a lot with RJ, unfortunately, especially uh, especially this season. You hope he got into a good flow in that in that game too. Obviously it helped that the the the, the Cavs were so bad that was a that was a benefit of him, but yeah, some of the plays he makes, some of the shots that he hit, you hope that he can build on that. It, it's it's so tough watching it. You think at certain moments you're like, what what are you doing? Like, have you forgotten how to how to play here? Have you forgotten what you're supposed to do here? Do you want you want to have this moment at your feet? It uh, I don't know. It's just it's tough. It's tough with RJ. I I still believe the talent is there. It's somewhere deep within him. It's it's can he find that is is he ever going to find that? I still, I, 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 I'm more likely to say no than yes at this moment. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I someone told me this. Um, another, another next friend of mine. Um, that he got a lot bigger in the offseason. season, and I didn't really think about that too much until Lee mentioned it today, and, and that kind of makes sense to me. Like he's definitely bulked up a bit, and there are times where he's racing someone down the court, and like, I, I always have this, this, this vision of RJ as RJ from Duke. And like this, the slim, the the straight line speed, RJ, and I think I've slowly realized that he he's lost that a bit. Like he's he's not he's not out galloping someone. He's not using those strides and getting past somebody. Like he has to power through somebody, and he doesn't always have the the floor to do that. But I mean, this isn't a RJ uh, film sesh podcast here right now. But it's been you haven't seen a, a big advantage from him. Except for when he's got a shot going, and it, that that's encouraging to see. Um, the way that he was shooting, game three, uh, the only guy who was really willing to take a, a shot because he was wide open. Cavs leaving him wide open. I think he'll continue to get looks like that. And if he's if he's gonna, knock down a decent number of those, and that that's gonna be a huge advantage for the Knicks. Um, not getting, a great shooting show out from anybody really. Um, somebody's got to hit from three and if he's gonna be the one he's gonna be the one randall's not gonna get any open looks randall's really they're defending him as hard as they possibly can bronson i still i still don't understand him like the things that bronson does at his size and the the fact that the fact that he's still hitting these these uh shots in the low post with jared allen right there with mobley right there you see a lot of guys get rattled i think trey young gets rattled pretty pretty easily at times i mean you even even see um I mean, Steph Curry 
like a guy like Steph Curry, very similar to Brunson in my mind, the way that they are smaller, but they're able to just finish through contact, finish in the paint. And they don't care that there's a big right there ready to block them. Like that's, that's a skill in and of itself. Like he's really fearless. He might be like one of the most fearless guys in the league, the way he's just able to finish over anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Now Brunson's Brunson's been awesome. He's, he's continued to, to improve as the season's gone on and now and now into the playoffs, he's still doing it to that level. And that's when you look at it and you're thinking he can be the difference maker for this next team. It's 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 yeah. likely not going to be Randall. It's not going to be Barrett. It's going to be come down to to Jalen Brunson's performance. And and it could we're going to have to get another game soon where both teams actually decide to show up and both teams actually have good performances like like in game one. And and it could come down to a, the, a battle between between Mitchell and Brunson, and you think it's more likely that the Knicks could disrupt Mitchell's three-point game enough to to give them the edge with Brunson. Uh, I think he you'd be more confident in his ability to get in the paint, to his float game, to to deliver more than uh, possibly Mitchell can, as good as Mitchell has looked. So that's that's where yeah, it, the it, all signs are pointing in the Knicks' favor. I think at the moment, and I think they are going to be really confident in the garden to go and win uh, game four, get this commanding lead. And then it's going to be down to the Cavs. How, how can they, how can they recover from that? Do, is this, are we going to see the Cavs show their age, show their, their level of, of inexperience at this stage and just show that there's still a lot to, to build for this team, or are they going to be able to, to really step up? And if they can get a win in the garden, then this series is hundred percent going seven games. Mm, yeah, for sure. Um, I gotta say that the matchup has been great because the the Cavs best two and the Knicks best two haven't haven't they haven't gelled in the same way. Like you haven't seen a a mass performance from both Randall and Brunson. You haven't seen a mass performance from both Mitchell and Garland. But both those duos are capable of it. And you're just waiting for you're waiting for that hat to drop. I mean Garland Garland hits those shots. Game th- I, I think I mean Cavs are winning game game three. Their offense worked. That, that's the thing. Their their offense is working. They're getting the shots that they want. Uh, Karis LeVert, I got a shout out a couple people. Karis LeVert has looked fantastic in the postseason thus far. Um, the exact kind of guy they needed. And the fact is they're they're benching Coral. Like Coral's not going to get minutes the way that, that Karis is playing. Um, and also, Mobley, I think just very little things here. Yeah, I love watching uh, young players in the playoffs here. He is starting to get acclimated. And you can, you can sense it. Ian Sensen game one is a little bit hesitant, but the patience he's showing in the paint, the the poise he's showing in the paint, he's showing that he could be the most dominant scorer on the floor at any point in time when he gets down low. And that's just a very beginning. He's scratching the the very, 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 very surface of that. And we'll see if that continues to progress uh, through the series. Um, because I think he's a weapon that they haven't used a whole lot in this uh in these matchups. And I think that could continue to grow. Yeah, I think that's a, that's an avenue they should be looking to explore more. Definitely, he's definitely shown it enough that it's worth going to. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. They they can they can change it then. But I think they have to. They certainly have to look to it more. It can't just be. Uh, it can't just be Mitchell. It can't just be Garland. They have to. They have to find other avenues. They have to find other ways to be successful. Similar to like what you're saying with the, with the Suns and like they, they take away Booker, they take away KD, then there's and there's CP three and eight, and then Aiton can can still deliver. Mobley's got to be able to be like that guy for, for the Cavs as well. Definitely, though, it's a, it's it's a 
the the series that we wanted. This is always going to be a battle that's going to always have kind of the 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 story over it about why Mitchell didn't go to New York. Can the Knicks step up now in the playoffs? Have they found that little bit of a difference maker in Jalen Brunson? And it's it's all showed up so far. And I'm I'm confident in my Knicks. Though I think I think the Knicks are going to take the three one lead. They're going to do it. Take the home stand, and they are going to go and win this in in six games. I think. Yeah, I I feel I feel good about it. I feel good about both teams. Honestly, what we need, I think we need a statement game. I don't think either team has had really a statement game. Game one, it's tough to to say it was a statement game, just because you know I, I think it was it was it was pretty even. But I think the Knicks showed their upper hand. But no team has has really come out and shown full advantage of of some sort of scheme. And I think a lot of it's had to do with the uh, with the uh, lack of putting together two games in a row of just any good shooting, but. Um, hopefully a little bit smoother offense as we move forward, but it's been a great matchup. I mean, this has been an absolute just bar fight. Like both teams are so evenly matched. I think both teams have, have a lot of ways to, to counter each other, um, but I don't think either of them have hit their peak yet, and this series is going to keep getting better. I can't wait. Yeah, it's a, it, it's awesome. It's it's great that we have this series. It's great that the Knicks can actually be a part of one of these series. And uh, <laughs> yeah. looking for, looking forward to it. Uh, looking forward to it continuing. But uh, I think that's gonna do it for today's episode. It's a wrap on all the playoff series. Some uh, some battles will continue. We, we may be back next week, and we're still talking about a few of these matchups still going on. A few will will end in the next game, but it's only gonna get better from here. And we're gonna be here to discuss every moment. So thank you all so much. For listening chris thank you for joining me and remember take every shot and love every moment